dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in God's country crops far as I can see headlights on both ends of my day this country life is for me ride with us HPJ ride with us to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, as always, the effervescent, bubbly, awesome Associate Editor Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen. Hey, Jenny. She's really bubbly, I I promise you. (laughs) Not hardly. (laughs) How was your week? Oh, it was exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I, I seem to recall you had some uh, some excitement with calves that refused to stay in their assigned pens. Yeah, my husband actually went to the the rodeo at Coldwater, Kansas, which is about an hour away, hour and a half away. And Saturday night, he was entered in the ranch bronc riding, and so the boys and I went to go check the cows and make sure everybody was spread they were supposed to be and. Everybody was, except one little calf, and he decided he wanted to be on the other side of the fence. Because the grass is greener. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's far less thistles on that side of the pasture than than our side. And so we were on the four-wheeler, and I thought, you know, there's a gate in that corner. I'll just go down there and see if I can get him, push him through there. Well, I made the mistake of telling the boys to stand there by the fence, and they should have went somewhere else <laughs> yeah that calf's not going to go anywhere near where those ca- those kids are <laughs> and actually he, the calf did get pretty close to the gate and i told the boys i'm like don't move turn around and don't move don't look at him and that didn't work so yeah so for those of you out there that have never worked with cattle Cattle are what we call a prey species. <laughs> now, prey species have developed over centuries of, of uh, evolution this whole fight or flight uh, reflex and mostly it's flight (laughs) so when you're moving cattle when you're working with them at all you have to learn that you work with their flight reflexes and not against them (laughs) so cattle are not going to move towards a a person they look at us as if we're predators no matter if you're on a four-wheeler on foot or on a horse (laughs) (laughs) well and i got him down to the gate three times and the third time he wasn't having it, so he decided to go back down the fence line. And this particular area where he was at is pretty steep, mm-hmm. and there's a draw down and goes down deep. And I didn't see him, and I, there's no way I'm getting the four wheeler down there. So, yeah, I just turned around and shut the gate and went home. <laughs> Chance was a little concerned because I was driving fast and I was mad. So, I think I scared him a little. <laughs> Oh, the joys of working with livestock. Oh, they are never what they're supposed to. They're never where they're supposed to be. They're never doing what they're supposed to be doing. The only the only time they're actually acting like cows is in a Norman Rockwell painting. Exactly. Well, and then the next day on Sunday, my husband wanted to ride a horse that he'd gotten in and wanted me to go check the cows, which is fine. Mm -hmm. It's my job. And went out there, and of course they're out there in the hot wire trap that. The fence charger may or may not work all the time. Uh-huh. It's one of those wonderful uh, solar-powered things, you know. 
Yeah. Anyway, I get out there and there's calves on the other side of the hot wire. And this particular trap is like next to the road. Mm, yeah. So. You really don't want them little buggers on the highway playing tag. No. So. Because the cars always win. Yes, the cars do win. And <sighs> calves are stupid when they're this age. All yeah. They, all they want to do is run. Mm-hmm. So I call him. I'm like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, put them in. <laughs> I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? Because I have no self-confidence when it comes to putting cattle wait, wait, wait. in you by got, myself. You, you raised cattle when you were a kid, right? You guys yeah, had cattle, but we right? Didn't, we didn't mess with them. I mean, they, they were out in the pasture and they... Your dad never them. made you work cattle? No. <laughs> oh my good lord, well, you, you are so was, lucky. There was a point where when I was a kid, probably Sean's age, yeah. eight and under, we had cattle and then... They sold all the cattle, and we didn't have cattle until we had 4-H steers. Gotcha. So that was quite a span in my childhood where we didn't have cattle. Yeah, I started out at the age of five as a link in a human fence <laughs> when we worked cattle. And when mom found out, she was less than pleased. I bet. She was not enthusiastic <laughs> that dad had her five-year-old in pigtails standing in the middle of the gate waving his ar- her arms real big at a... At a yearling bull. <laughs> just just make a no- lot of noise, honey. He'll turn. He'll turn. <laughs> he turned. Yeah. <laughs> so I get out there and unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that the fence was hot. Not hot. And I was about not about to test it out. <laughs> you didn't have an older brother like me. No. <laughs> so... I get them back in, get them back across the hot wire with the four-wheeler and go to turn it on, put my ear to the the fence charger to see if I could hear the clicking noise, and there was a a faint clicking noise, so. (laughs) What's that noise? It's a funny clicking (laughs) noise. noise. Yeah. (laughs) So I go back down there to try to push them out of the corner to get them out of this hot wire trap, and all the calves that I put in were back out, so... (laughs) And halfway up there, the four-wheeler ran out of gas, so Spence had to come rescue me anyway. And I had the dogs with me, and they were about ready to have a heat stroke because it's so hot out. (laughs) There's no wind. So, have we taken lessons from this? (laughs) Make sure there's gas in the (laughs) four-wheeler. You know, Mm. I kind of wonder if maybe some of my Latsky luck is rubbing off on you. Well, I've always said if I didn't have any bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. (laughs) So, well, then I went to make sure that everybody was where they were supposed to be. And, of course, the calf was still on the other side of the fence Mm -hmm. from last night. Same calf? Yes, the same calf. So I was like, I'm not going to mess with it. I can't get him in. I'm just going to take the four-wheeler back to the house. Surely he's going to get hungry for mama at some point. think. And you would think she would have thrown a bigger fit than she did, but she didn't. So I went to the house and told Spence, I'm like, that calf's still out. You need to go fix it because I can't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it took him all of about 15 minutes to do it. See, now this is what frustrates me because then the male of the species is going to go, well, it's so easy. Why didn't you get that done? (laughs) And they weren't there to witness the the struggle bus that you have just disembarked from. And holy crap, you were on a 60-passenger struggle bus, honey. That's not the short bus. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, everything just went too right for me to get something to happen right. So, you know, (sighs) it is what it is. But look at it this way. Your boys are going to understand how cattle move. They're going to understand the the thoughts behind a cow's brain because... 
Man. Hopefully. <laughs> if you can read a cow, you can read a person. Yeah. And that's that's the words of wisdom from my dad. <laughs> it was Father's Day this weekend. Did you do something extra special? We went in town, to town and ate dinner and then got his Father's Day present because I wasn't feeling it this year. <laughs> Sean's like, we need to get dad something. We need to get dad something. And everything he wanted to get dad was either out of my price range or he already had it. So <laughs> we let him pick out his own Father's Day gift. Well, um, I took the fella over to his parents' place with uh, with the fella's kids and we had a lovely afternoon lunch and, and supper and just kind of sat around and, and talked and told stories and napped. Okay, so I made this recipe, this copycat recipe from Silong Saloon in Aggieville in Manhattan, Kansas. It is a raspberry chipotle black bean dip. It uses raspberry chipotle sauce, cream cheese, um, sauteed onions and um, garlic and black beans and it is amazing like this is the stuff of your dreams like you know on your last meal your dreams <laughs> oh it's so good Kayleen even you who does not like beans would love this do you refry the beans kind of no 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 they're no. whole no they're whole yeah there is no smushing of the beans no there's beans. no none of that so anyway I had introduced the fella and the kids to this lovely wonder when we were in Manhattan a couple of weeks at we, the restaurant at the restaurant yes and so I thought you know what I'm, I bet you there's a copycat recipe online sure so enough. <laughs> what does somebody my age do but go directly to Pinterest <laughs> and sure enough some enterprising food bloggers out there had discovered the recipe and and recreated it and so I thought, okay, I'm going to make this dip. I know at least the fella and the kids like it. I don't know if the rest of his family will, will eat it. They're not as adventurous <laughs> as, I, as the family I grew up in, and I'm slowly accepting that. <laughs> and I made it, and I, you know, I, I put all the ingredients together and, in this um, dish, and I was gonna, all you had to do was microwave it when you got there. Okay, so I barely had it out of the microwave and on the table, and they descended upon it like a pack of velociraptors. <laughs> At one point, um, my fellow's little niece, who's about maybe three or three or so, three or four, um, we had to we had to tell her, "No, sweetie, you you can't eat the whole thing for lunch. <laughs> it's not your meal. That's not the meal." <laughs> so I was pretty pleased with myself that I had made a hit like that. So um, yeah. Not too shabby. We actually went and ate Chinese food on Father's Day. And the boys <laughs> really haven't had much Chinese food. I mean, we've eaten at the Vietnamese place here in town. Yeah. Which is just noodles and meat and hey, that's, sauce. Hey, that's one up on me. I had never had Vietnamese food until I went to Vietnam. So yeah. you're, you're one up on well, my family. When we told them where we were going, they're like, Ew, no, I'm not going to eat those gross noodles. <laughs> okay, you've never had the gross noodles, but whatever. <laughs> so we get in there, and this place is packed. Uh -huh. And it's like one thirty. I mean, it's past church crowd, past whatever. Oh, no, no, no. It's Sunday at the Chinese buffet. In Dodge City. <laughs> and um, we get in there, and they have never been to a buffet either, so they don't understand of all the ch all the choices that are on, mm -hmm. the, on the buffet. And 
Sean realized they had pizza. <laughs> That's what he had was pizza. That's okay. His dad tried to get him to try <laughs> something, and he was having no part of it. And I love crab ragoon, ragoons, or however you say it. Crab ragoon, yeah. Those are my favorites, and Chance mm-hmm. wouldn't try that. And I'm like, fine, I'll just eat them. <laughs> you know what's funny is, slowly but surely, the kids have, you know, when, when I make something, when I make dinner for them or something... I make it the way I learned. And mm-hmm. my dad came from a generation of you eat what's in front of you or else you don't eat. Yes. And in fact, at one point in time when he was younger, like when he was in, in his late teens, early 20s, he actually rode a boat to the Dominican Republic with a group of other farmers about his age and they were delivering used tractors to farmers in the Dominican Republic. Mm-hmm. And he stayed down there for. I don't know, two, three, four, some odd months or so. And he lived with the families while he taught them how to work with these machines and work on the machines. And it was a missionary trip. Okay, so you do that type of thing. You come back and you have one phrase for your family. It helps if you're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like cauliflower? Helps if you're hungry, kid. Don't like tomatoes? Helps if you're hungry, kid. Don't like what's on the plate in front of you? Helps if you're hungry, kid. <laughs> that man would just hunker down over a, a plate and just shovel it in. Would not even, I don't even think his, his sniffer got a, like a sniff of what was going into his mouth. If he was hungry, he just shoveled it in. And maybe he'd take a breath and go, well, maybe we don't need to try that recipe again, Deanie. <laughs> My dad had a rotation of meals that he liked and... Chinese food was never on his rotation. (laughs) My dad refused Chinese food until, I love this one. So my mom worked in. I think you've told that one before. Have I told this one? I I don't know if I told it on here before, but um, so my mom used to work in at at, uh, the sale barn in Junction City, JC Livestock. On Saturdays, she would help with the, um, the financial type stuff. She'd do the books and such. Okay, so... Those ladies in there in the office, they would order Chinese food if they were working late, finishing up, and then um, they would usually order extra to take home to their husbands or their significant Mm -hmm. others or their families. So my mom discovered she liked Chinese food. (laughs) And she's like, I don't know if I can ever get Larry to do this. Huh, how how do I do this? How do I do this? So she orders beef and broccoli, enough to take home. Takes it out of the cartons, shoves the cartons in the trash, puts it in, her, in one of her crock or in one of her Corel dishes, mm-hmm. and Dad and proceeds to you know look feed it a, to him, have a new recipe, and Dad goes, huh, it's beef, it's broccoli, it smells okay, well, all right, hey, this is pretty good. So she repeated this about three months, and finally one day they were in Junction City, and she goes, hey, let's go have let's go have lunch at the. Uh, Chinese buffet. He's like, I don't want that. And she goes, you've been eating it for three months. (laughs) And that, children, is how my dad learned to love Chinese food. (laughs) So Sean was telling Grandma that he ate all this Chinese food at the buffet. And I'm like, you didn't have any. You had pizza and (laughs) jello and ice cream. (laughs) Yes, but technically, it's the Chinese version of all of those. No, it wasn't. It was like, it was frozen pizza. Seriously, it was frozen pizza. Hey, they got to have something there for the kids. They're like, ew, I'm not having that. Yeah. 
I remember when I was a kid, my dad's favorite place was the Golden Corral. Oh, mine too. Here in Dodge. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had Sirloin Stockade in Junction. There was one here, I think. Do you remember the Bonanza chains, yes, too? Yes, they had Bonanza. It was oh, Bonanza. Oh, yeah. We had Bonanza and Sirloin Stockade right next door to each other. <laughs> Sundays there was like nothing but families as far as the eye could see. <laughs> Imagine. I can't imagine being a waitress at a buffet. Yeah. I think I'd much rather just not have a job. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I know it helps if you're hungry. However, <laughs> there's a level of sanity. <laughs> and those people that are waitstaff at a buffet, they deserve a raise. Right now, right here and now, those people deserve a raise. They deserve to be tipped. So don't be chintzy and tip, and tip your waiters. <laughs> Well, let's see. What else did we do? It's been a lot of headlines out of D.C. this week. You know, we have ERS and and then um, NEFA that are moving to the Kansas City area. Big goings on here because Kansas and Missouri are all excited over this. But mm-hmm. there's still some people that are like, yeah, this isn't a good thing all around as much. I mean, there's jeers and cheers on both sides of the issue. Yeah. So. Um, we'll see how it how it fold how how it all falls together. Right now, the announcement's been made, but no talk as to whether it's actually going to be on the Kansas side or the Missouri side. But the Kansas City region's going to benefit. So, here's hoping that all works out. Um, we've got biotech uh, biotech regulatory executive order that came down out of the White House. That's good news for researchers because now we have a, a quicker path towards approval of some of these new biotech traits mm-hmm. you know what if you can if you can make it a quicker path it means that the products are cheaper for farmers which means their input costs can be lowered which is good for everybody all around yeah we're seeing a lot more um, after effects of more rain in parts where we're trying to get stuff planted and man um, did you see the the photo going around of corn at height this year versus corn height last year? Same location, same field, same person standing I there. Did. L- this year, it's barely above the calf. Last year, it was three feet above the person's head. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. We are incredibly delayed out there. Yeah. But I did see that um, sorghum, you're, you cover a lot of sorghum. They've got uh, some guidelines out there for... The late season planning. Yes. So So there's opportunities. There's also talk about planting two cover crops and keeping that soil, at least if you can get in, you can't get in with with a commodity crop, at least get in with something and keep that soil covered. Yeah. Um, Maybe have something for the cattle to graze on. Yeah. And we're going to need that with as little corn that's out there, according to the WASDE report, that's going to mean... Feed prices are going to go up. And, and the cost of feeding cattle is going to go up. So Yeah. They might have something. Have to have plan B when it comes to that. You know, I've already told all my friends, I said, if you've got the ability to put in a quarter of beef or a side of beef in your freezer right now, get it done. Yeah. Because this fall, probably not going to be a good price time to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, um, good luck out there. <laughs> oh. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another in in agriculture. Yeah, it's just the way it is. This is what happens when you have Mother Nature as your partner. Yes. And she's not always a silent partner. (laughs) She's not this year. (laughs) Um, She sure is mouthy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
We would like to hear from our listeners. You can always drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com and let us know what you're up to in the area, or you can always call us here at the office, 1-800-452-7171. Well, in this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might have missed in the June 17th print edition. We'll have updates from the harvest field from our All Aboard Wheat Harvest correspondents, courtesy of our friends at KFRM. Then, of course, Kayleen's going to bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have some final thoughts. So, put it in gear if you can. Keep making those rounds. And thanks for choosing to ride with us on HPJ Talk. Have you registered yet for Cattle U and Trade Show July 31st and August 1st? It's going to be at the United Wireless Arena here in Dodge City, Kansas, and you won't want to miss this. We're going to have useful, practical information you can apply on your operation, tailored to cow-calf producers, stockers, and feedlots. You can become BQA certified, network with industry leaders and fellow producers, and discover new products and services at the Cattle U Trade Show. And make it a family trip. Plan your summer vacation around Dodge City Days and the Roundup Rodeo. Registration information can be found online at cattleu.net. And don't forget, there's a discount for HPJ subscribers that you can find in your print version of High Plains Journal. So we'll see you folks at Cattle U July 31st and August 1st at the United Wireless Arena in Dodge City, Kansas. Come ride with us. This week's cover comes from our colleague, David Murray of Waterways Journal. Epic floods of 2019 add to farmers and shippers pain. He reports on the wettest 12-month period since record-keeping began in 1895, according to NOAA. From April of 2018 to May of 2019, it's been one flood event after another. These have caused problems up and down the river system for farmers and shippers. Inside, on page 2B, sorghum checkoff agronomist Brent Bean talks about late planted sorghum in areas where farmers can't get in with corn or soybeans. On page 8 and 9B, we have updates from our All Aboard Wheat Harvest crews from the road. Be sure to keep up with our crews online at allaboardharvest.com. Brought to you by John Deere and High Plains Journal. This week, Tracy Ziorin talks about the support system for cutters. Laura Hafner writes of the opening of the first field of the season in Texas. And Janelle Schemper writes about the mechanical surprises in Oklahoma. On our opinions and editorial page, 4B, web editor Shauna Rumbaugh talks about the loss of Spearville's Kelly's Corner Grocery and the effect of the loss of a 100-plus-year-old institution in their small town. Seymour clearly writes about the cooling relationship between French President Emmanuel Macron and U.S. President Donald Trump. And Representative Dr. Roger Marshall writes a letter to the editor emphasizing that mental health of producers is a top priority. Remember, if you have a response to something you've read or heard, or there's a local topic that you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. Or you can always call us at one 800 452-7171. We want to hear from you.
Wayne Thames joining you once again on the All Aboard Wheat Harvest Updates uh, brought to you by High Plains Journal, John Deere, Unververth Manufacturing, and Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. Chance to catch up this week, uh, Brian Jones, Jones Harvesting out of Greenfield, Iowa. Uh, Brian, it uh, sounds like uh, uh, you just wrapped things up at home uh, trying to get uh, planting done before you headed south uh, into Oklahoma and trying to get uh, some wheat harvest going. Uh, it's been a little bit touch and go with the moisture that they've had here uh, around the Thomas-Custer City area. Yeah, that's right. We had a difficult time, like almost everyone in the Midwest, getting our spring crops planted and we did wrap that up on Saturday and then left for Oklahoma on Wednesday so a lot of added stress and busyness at home but we were hoping to leave behind the wet weather and finally make our way down here to Thomas Oklahoma and cut some wheat we did get started on Friday in the afternoon after we um, arrived and unloaded machines and then on Saturday afternoon we had a large severe storm that brew up in the afternoon late evening hours and it dumped three to four inches of rain along with some hail and even a tornado that passed by our combines just two miles away. So some pretty severe weather and obviously we're on rain delay now. This is not how we were wanting to get started the harvest season, but we will uh, at least have a little bit of an idea of what lies ahead. Some of the wheat that we've cut so far looks to be in that 60 bushel area range. A lot of it's about 61 pound test weight and we were in that 13 percent moisture area so there's definitely a nice crop here we just need some cooperative weather now to get the machines across this muddy ground and try to get that grain harvested it has been a challenge for many folks throughout the central part of the country with too much moisture this year it's hard to believe in this part of oklahoma you could ever say that uh, but uh, they've been blessed, uh, and with that spring rain, uh, pretty respectable yields if we can now just get to it. Yeah, it does look like there's going to be um, a very nice crop here to be harvested, but it definitely we're going to need a change in the weather to be able to uh, get this in the bin or uh, deliver to the elevator. A lot of the wheat has started to go down because there is quite a bit of straw and it's of a pretty good height because of the ample moisture that has been here. So that makes it a little extra challenging when uh, we run into these muddy conditions. Of course, there's there's a lot of terraces in this part of the country, which means there's water standing in pools inside those terrace channels. We're lucky to uh, have the combines equipped with four-wheel drive. We hate to push that button, but it looks like the four-wheel drive will be on for quite some time while we're here. But uh, we do have a string of some better weather, it looks like, ahead and some warmer temperatures. So we'll cross our fingers and just hope that things shape up and uh, we can avoid any more severe weather here. And we can definitely cover as much ground as quickly as possible. The farmers, I know, are very anxious to get this harvested. It's been a long time for many of them since they have grown or produced uh, wheat crop that looks to be of this quality and this high of yield and they're definitely anxious to get this harvest on it's underway and uh, to get this stuff in the bin all right thanks to brian jones jones harvesting joining us on the 2019 all aboard wheat harvest updates janelle scamper scamper harvesting janelle uh, another wheat harvest another year and uh, you're on the road once again we are it's a late one again we started may 28th we got down to the Frederick, Oklahoma area and went straight to the field, but then catch, kept on catching rain showers. So it's been a very, very slow start to harvest, and it's been frustrating. We've had a couple combines stuck in the mud, had a tractor grain cart stuck in the mud trying to pull a combine out, and it's been challenging, but we got our first stop done, and we just moved up to the Weatherford, Oklahoma area yesterday, and we were greeted with 
one inch of rain, so it's wet here. It seems like this year's uh, uh, harvest might be brought to you by log chains and tow ropes. Uh, <laughs> That's for sure. It's been that kind of a year, but you referenced a uh, late start as well. A lot of folks looking at harvest this year, a, a full week to, to some places, two weeks behind than when they would normally be cutting. Yep, it's behind everywhere. And up the road, it looks like, you know, we're delayed because it's pretty wet across Kansas, I hear, too. As far as uh, the wheat that uh, you guys had a chance to cut around the southwest Oklahoma area at, at Frederick, uh, what did it look like that, that you could get to? Some was very, very good. It just Overall, it just came down to when the wheat was planted last fall because they had a lot of rain. So if they got it planted before the rain, that wheat actually turned out very good. But the stuff that they planted late wasn't as good, and it seemed like they grazed it pretty hard. So it ranged anywhere from... I mean, the awful stuff was like 12 bushels per acre, and then the good stuff probably averaged around 40, 45 bushels. But I did cut one quarter that made 84, which was outstanding. Quality, pretty decent. It Was their, their test weight, or did the range cause some issues there as well? No, the test weights ranged anywhere from 56 to 63, so about normal, I guess. As far as uh, the Oklahoma stop, uh, any expectations other than more months? Um, yeah, where we're at, at, it looks pretty muddy in the terrace channels, but I don't know, it's kind of depressing because the weather forecast has more rain in it, so I'm not sure when we'll get out of Oklahoma and make it up to Kansas. Well, our thanks to uh, Janelle Skemper with Skemper Harvesting joining us on the All Aboard Wheat Harvest Updates, brought to you by High Plains Journal, John Deere, on Verberth Manufacturing and Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children. For KFRM, I'm Dwayne Taves. Have a great day. Your grain market prices from Dodd City's Pride Ag Resources on June 11th. Corn was up at $4.08. Wheat was down at $4.18. Milo was up at $3.58. And soybeans were down at $7.19. Don't forget, folks, we've got an upcoming sorghum U slash wheat U event August 14th in Mulvane, Kansas at the Kansas Star Event Center. We'll have breakout sessions, keynotes, a trade show, and producer panels. It's two events, one day, under one roof. You can't miss it. For more information, visit sorghumu.com or wheatu.com. Or you can always call us at 1-800-452-7171 for registration details. We'll see you there. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash signup. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Next week's print issue of High Plains Journal has a story on watermelons on our cover. Be sure to watch for that in your mailboxes June 24th. And look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at hpjtalk.com for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk 
at hbj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman Wyatt Earp once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day. This country life is for me. Ride with us, HPJ. Ride with us, HPJ.